Hello and welcome to Radio Maria. This is Questions of Faith, um, a program in which you have an opportunity to ask one of our guests a question. Um, and we highly recommend that people do that and call in. We love taking live callers and asking your questions and keeping our guests on their toes. And the guests we have today um, are Sister Carino. Hello, Sister. Hello, Tim. Lovely to be with you. Lovely to be with you, too. And we also have Father Toby. Hello, Father Toby. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Sister Carino. Good morning, uh, all our listeners. Not sure whether I should really be described as a guest or, or, or Sister Carino, given the, the, the number of uh, re- reg- re- reg- regular hosts. Right. Well, I feel like that's right now. Anyway, <laughs> that's a question we can do without. But good morning, everyone. Yeah, good morning. Um, we actually already have a caller. Can you believe it? Um, so let's begin with a prayer and then I'm going to put the caller straight through. Um, Great. Okay. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father, when Jesus, your Son, was raised up on the cross, it was your will that Mary, his mother, should stand there and suffer with him in her heart. Grant that in union with her, the church may share in the passion of Christ and so be brought to the glory of his resurrection. For our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Pray for us. Pray for us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So um, I'm going to put the caller straight on air. Radio Maria, hello. 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 Good morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, Linda from West London, Ealing. Hello, Linda. Linda, hello. is this your first time calling in to Questions of Faith? No, I think I've called once before. Oh, wonderful. Um, and do you have a question for us on this Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows? I do, please, yeah. And I would like to um, seek your opinions as a panel with regards to um, taking young children to Mass or the exposition to the Blessed Sacrament. Um, those children who are not as attentive as, as you want them to be. Obviously, um, there are different views of how to manage these young children. Um, but I've always taken all my children um, from the day they were born or a few days old anyway. And over the years, I've either managed or not managed, but I just feel it's always important to kind of help them with their faith formation. Um, now, we there's always different views of how to manage these children and different advice you get from parishioners um, and different faces and looks. And, and I've, always, I've always been really anxious and, and conscious mm-hmm. of the fact that I don't know how to behave on what what I should be doing. Um, um, so I want to ask, obviously, um, everyone's opinion, and especially Father Toby, from his point of view as a priest. Um, d- does that um, do priests usually get irritated from seeing young children not as, as behaving or you know not so attentive to mass? Um, does that ruin it for everyone else? And that's number one. Number two. Um, some parishioners have um, advised of taking books um, and keep them occupied with colorings and or what have you. I disagree completely with this because I just feel um, over the years, it's, it's I mean, certainly with my older boy, it's helped him to kind of focus more if I just kind of put up with it and trying to always engage him with the mass or with the exposition rather than to, to just a way to just get through by 
that's it, which which might mean obviously sacrificing my time and not being um you know um mm-hmm. listening more to the mass and the the detail but then it just is a way of helping him to kind of um with his faith so i would really welcome different opinions of what people think and, and what father toby and um sister and, and think as well um just to help me with my journey with as a mom <laughs> excellent question thank you so much linda father toby i know that you're going to be um eager to answer this one so go for it yeah thank you linda lovely to hear from you um i i we we have adoration in our church sort of every every day at um five and like it's you know and it, it's normally a an, an older crowd in there because it's 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 five o'clock um but uh sometimes you get a normally a, a mother sort of come in come in with a child and i just i delight in that fact like it it, it fills me with with joy that that's that you know a mother is bringing a child not just at a at a time where you have to be at church for for an hour on sunday but but coming sort of out of out of love and uh and and hearing a child in in churches is something i enjoy i remember once going to mass back when i was a, a lawyer um at um english martyrs in, in prescott street near near tower hill and mm-hmm. the priest at the end who who sounded like a rather severe um irishman uh father malachy and he was saying um and i've been hearing children crying in church and it is a and and, and at that point i was like oh my goodness what he's gonna say and he's like and it is a fantastic noise because it means that the church is alive and, uh, and i was like thank god and so i'm kind of i i'm delighted now now there are some people who who do find it sort of diff, difficult with with noise around them and i and i think if we can see that you know somebody is sort of you know really struggling and they're doing that sort of turning around and facing we um i th- i think we sort of have to say well you know they need to they need to sort of grow a little bit because they need to understand that children are children um mm. but also you know think about you know how can i help them or maybe if i if i actually get to know this person maybe who sometimes turns around and stares because actually once once you've got to sort of know know somebody and once the once the person knows your child um then mm. i think sort of reactions and and hearts uh soften um with regards to to books during mass i'm 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 not completely sure but i i do know that i i find it incredibly beautiful when you see um see or a mother or a father like speaking into their child's ear explaining you know what's going on in the mass to them um and and i i find that incredibly um beautiful to to, to 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 watch um yeah and yeah i i i love saying our our family mass at church and and there are children and and it's probably a reality with boys um seem to be more restless than than girls <laughs> um, girls seem to be better at sitting there and boys are little bundles of of energy you know there are some some girls who are like that but more boys and there were two two little boys who um came up as i was saying the the collect the sort of opening prayer at the at mass 
um, the other week, and there's some sort of balustrades next to the the priest's lectern, so they weren't actually sort of on the sanctuary, but they'd managed to sneak up without their dad noticing, and oh, and yeah. uh, and they came up and they were looking through the balustrade, and they were like, "Father Toby, we're here." <laughs> and, like, oh, I, yes. I, and I found that incredibly sweet and very and very moving. But Sister Karina has way more experience in uh, in children's catechesis than me, and has actually studied this um, and does a lot more of it than me. So over to her. Thank you very much, Father Toby. I think the the first thing I want to say is that I agree with everything um, Father Toby says. That as a as a priest or religious. Um, the sight of children at mass is is a joy, the sight and the sound of children at mass. And it's a great indication to me, a great sort of piece of evidence of how God's grace builds upon nature. So God meets your two-year-old as a two-year-old and he meets your three-year-old as your, as your three-year-old. And that's absolutely fine. Um, and I think it's worth bearing in mind that as, as a mother, you know, you are the primary catechist of your child. The church is very clear on that. And one of the ways in which you, as a mother, um, catechize your child is is you help them to grow in freedom. So they're, they're, they're developing that Christian freedom of knowing who God is and wanting God for themselves. And the thing with freedom is it's really messy. Um, so, you know, when a child first starts going to Mass, they don't know what's going on and they want all sorts of other things apart from to pray and to know Jesus. But when your child chooses of their own accord to pray for five seconds, that is an astonishing work of God that's going mm. on. And it doesn't matter that it look that it's it's not as impressive as the adult who is sitting still for for 10 or 15 minutes. You know, it, it doesn't matter that um maybe they've decided to pray upside down i've i've known many children over the years especially boys who seem to find it easier to concentrate when like their legs are in the air and their head is on the floor and that's okay because that that's how they're exercising their their freedom to to pray um so it's, it's very much i think all of us all of us in the church um who have a specific you know ministry um such as being a parish catechist, being a parish priest, etc. Um, they they all have that that respect for your child's freedom mm -hmm. of they are growing to love the Lord in an age appropriate way, and it might look messy from the outside, um, mm -hmm. but but it's more genuine when they mm -hmm. they're learning to to love the Lord in a, in in their own way, in a free way, in an age appropriate way. On books, I think I'm more enthusiastic about books than you are. Mm -hmm. um, and this is okay to dis to agree to disagree on this, but for any listeners who are thinking like, can I can I give my child something to to do as it were at mass? I would point out that nowadays there are lots of really good resources that are specifically about engaging children at mass in an age appropriate way. So, like the Catholic True Society publishes things like um, my simple mass book, which is which is basically a missile yeah. for children. Um, yeah. There's a there's an American catechist called um, Katie Bogner, who on her website, which is called Look to Him and Be Radiant, she has oh. lists of children's books by theme. So like children's books on the mass, on what's happening at mass, children's books on the saints and so on. And her list of mass books is is really good. You know, and it's, it's basically going through the liturgy in an age appropriate way. So your, your child can follow along and look at pictures and, and so on. 
Um, yeah. What else springs to mind? Catholic Sprouts. That's another good website that's yeah. got yeah. yeah books and and resources where your child can have something to do that's age appropriate, but it's specifically about what's also happening on the sanctuary at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I agree with all the Catholics, um, but then what my, my query is, obviously, if they if they bring books that are not um, mass related. And, and that's when the question I, I, I don't I'm not too keen on these when when like comic books or other books that are really more distracted than, rather than, you know, that yeah. it helps them to kind of focus on mass. So yeah. I just refuse that completely, the idea. But then, I mean, it's and in, in terms of um Talking now to um, about adoration, when because I, I try and encourage my children to come to adoration, and it does help. But then um, my six-year-old um, comes in, and he he can he can kneel down for about five minutes. After five minutes, he turns around, "Mom, I said all my prayers," and then that's when he starts to be become you know he sits and then he stands and he sits. But then he doesn't go anywhere within, you know, he doesn't run around, but it's just, it's, so I just feel that, do you think, because maybe I'm a harsh mom, I expect him to sit and, and pray for a good 10 minutes, or do you think that's harsh five minutes to be okay if that's what, at that age? Um, I, yeah. would, I would say congratulate him on the, as it were, by praise him on the five minutes because they're they're really genuine. You know, oh my gosh, you've prayed for so long to Jesus. That's amazing. He's so happy with with all the prayers that that you've given him. Um, you know, very much sort of meet where he is. Um, I remember uh, the the catechism talks about how meditation engages like the memory, the intellect, the imagination, and the will. So if all of these things have started to scatter, you know, maybe you could you could call him back with something specific on one of those things. You know, like okay. now that you've prayed mm. to Jesus, can you remember what was the what was the thing you said thank you to him for? Can you tell me what it is? Or, oh, okay. you know, yeah, or can yeah. we look around mm. the church and see, is there a stained glass window that's got Jesus in it? Maybe maybe we can look at that for a bit and to, yeah. to help us keep focusing on Jesus. Um, do you know what I mean? So maybe if he thinks that I've done all the talking to Jesus, um, yeah. maybe in, engage something else that's still kind of church related. Um, yeah that acknowledges that as far as he's concerned he's exercised his freedom now you know he's he's done the prayer no no rational no rational person could expect him to pray for longer than five minutes surely etc etc you know and then as he as he gets older that will that will just increase yeah yeah in, 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 in his own time i think Okay, and final, with, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Go on. Sorry, I, didn't say, sorry, I think sorry. I think with boys they can be um they can be challenged as as well. Yeah. So mm. you can say to them, oh, you know, like, do you think do you think today you'd you'd be able to do you know an extra an extra couple of minutes because you know you are growing up now after all and 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 <laughs> and then and then praise pray pray praise something I. I heard people talking about and it and it seems convinced me is that not so much sort of praising outcomes but praying the praising the effort that somebody that somebody yeah. puts in so oh, if you yeah. can see actually like they have really tried hard for that extra couple of minutes but, but it's just sort of beyond them at the moment praise the like the the effort not so much sort of how how well they actually did or didn't didn't do yeah i think i'm a harsh mom that's what it is <laughs> well, okay and Harsh Finally. doesn't mean bad. Yeah, sure. like, yeah um, I know, I know. But I just expect too much from, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I think I, now listening to this and, and you, I think it, it really helps me to kind of understand. I really need to kind of get down to their level and 
and think I shouldn't be treating them like adults and expect them to sit there for 10 solid minutes to, um, yeah, I, I, I know. I mean, they, they do well. It's just obviously I want more and more. Mm. I want the faith to kind of go deeper and deeper. Um, one more thing, Father Toby. Sorry, I'm taking too much of your time. Um, is it okay? Because my children at the moment, because they've been, you know, they're getting older. They like to do roller play of math. So one of them would pretend that his father Ambrose and the other one is a, a parishioner and they, they kind of set up the altar. Um, a, is that okay to do? Uh, because obviously they have a laugh as well as, as they're doing it, you know, uh, that's number one. And then they pretend um, um, part of the role play that they're doing confession. And, it, you know, they would kind of say confession to each other and then they would give them the blessing or you know it's all part of the role play is that okay to do or should I ignore it or should I um, correct them and say no you shouldn't really make a fun of this and um, that's the other thing that I'm not sure about um, yeah I think role, role play is, is really um, good and actually we learn an enormous amount by it and uh, C.S. Lewis actually speaks about sort of you know, children through role play are sort of are growing their their adult muscles, um, mm-hmm. and so he he sees that as as really important. Um, and if there's the sort of the odd giggle during it, sort of f- fine. Um, the the only thing you just have to keep an eye on is that something doesn't become completely trivialized. That's not 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 trivial. But in the yeah. main, I would say like how fantastic that they're wanting to, to to play at mass because play play in the eyes of in the eyes of children is not something trivial. Like we speak like play play is really, really important for children. Like we know how hard it is when children are playing to kind of get their attention for something for something mm. else. So mm. play play for children is is more important than it seems to us as adults. So the fact that they're actually playing at something as 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 beautiful and important as the mass or 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 or, conf- or confession um yeah. is really good. And then you can kind of try and encourage you know you mentioned about confession, but you know uh, oh if he's if he's confessed that to you then you can never tell anyone else, can you? Um, oh yeah, you that's know, a you good idea. You yeah. can't, you can't, you can't, you can't say what 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 that's done, and and you know, and if they if it gets brought up in another circumstance, you can say, but you can't talk about that because that was told you during confession, wasn't it? And then so they start to realise actually there's something sacrosanct here about confession. Mm. Yeah, but it's it's interesting how they they kind of prompt each other. So whoever is playing the um, a priest, um, the confessor, he would prompt him and say, "His brother, he'd say, oh, but you didn't mention about that other sin that you did. It, you did that yesterday." <laughs> well, that's <laughs> it's great because so, so they're holding one another to account. <laughs> exactly, and, and then come on, say Eternal it. correction yeah. going on. Exactly, and he's like, "Come on, say it, so I can, I can, I can absorb you from your sins." And it's so, you know, I, I can't stop um, the goggles when I hear them. But it's, it's, in, it's <laughs> nice how they do it. But it's, yeah, it's. Uh, I just wasn't sure whether that's, uh, you know, that's, you know, okay to, yeah. But that's great advice. Can, can yeah. I say something? Um, yeah. I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. Two things, actually. Firstly, that uh, I've heard from a number of priests that they trace back their sort of longings to become priests from. Um, the time of childhood when they would pretend to mm. s- to say the mass, so that's mm. either good news or bad news for you, depending on, on uh, yeah. what you want. To How many grandchildren you want? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, the other thing is that I think there's actually a very true insight into what liturgy actually is. 
um, with regards to what's happening in heaven, because I think we are very much like children um, when it comes to liturgy, not to trivialize liturgy, but but we are like children playing at what is happening and what is to come in in the heavenly liturgy. Um, so I think it's a it's a really wonderful thing that that your children are doing. And also, lastly, I would say that as as a person who goes to masses. I absolutely love it when I hear children um, making a noise in mass, and, and I try and and let parents know. Um, so for for all those parents who give you, for all those parishioners who give you a glare and a shh, there's um, many others who are secretly smiling and enjoying it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you all. It's been great advice. Thank you. So welcome. You. God bless, Linda. Bye bye. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much. So we've got um, another caller on the line, and I'm going to put her straight through because she's been waiting so patiently. It's Augusta. Hello, Augusta. Hello. Hello, Tim. Have, yeah. have, Hi, Augusta. Hi, yes. Augusta. Augusta, now, we'd love to hear what you want to say. Yes. Okay, thank you very much. What I want to say is I took my sister's children. She had, she, my sister has six children, one boy and five girls, and the second child was a boy, and I used to wheel the boy down, and out of two in the pram, out of the boy and the next girl, and the older girl walking, the oldest girl walking, and we get into church, and we go right up to the very front of the church. And we go into the front seat. And the children, all the children became absolutely absorbed in what was going on on the altar. And Margaret Ann would be standing, hanging on to the bench in front and um, watching what the priest was doing. And I'd be telling them what the priest was doing. And they... They were great. They were absolutely marvelous. They never uh, screamed or wanted to run away or do anything. It was just marvelous. And then one day I met a friend, and he said that I should go into the middle of the of the congregation. That it was very wrong of me to go up to the front of the church. And um, so I thought I'm not going up to I'm not going to the middle of the church. What's the point of that? And then I thought, oh, well, perhaps something is going to happen if I don't do that. What he said. So I went into the back really of the church, and um, I had a hat on, a floppy hat. And I had my glasses on, and it was all right. Francis Andrew was sitting on my lap, and it was all right. And then he heard the bells ringing before uh, the consecration, and he just worked around on my lap, and he caught the hold of my hat, and he pulled with his two little chubby hands, pull my hat down on both sides of my face, 
and ripped my glasses off onto the tip of my nose. And he screamed. And I'm not kidding, he could scream. And he screamed and screamed. And I couldn't move because I couldn't take my arms off him, holding him tight, because he was the type of boy who would jump off my lap. And I had to hold him tight. Hmm. And the lady behind me released his hand on my hat and my face. But he kept up screaming all the time and he wouldn't stop it. I couldn't get him to stop it. He just screamed to the end of mass. And the little girl... And I thought, never again am I going to the back of the church. Yeah, like I think people people know that, like, that with their sort of um, children or um, or you know members of the family, what what works um, with with them. Um, and it was one thing I was actually going to mention when Linda was speaking that I have generally found that. The, the closer children sit to the to the front the more engaged they seem to be i think sometimes parents yeah. think well i'll sit fa- i'll sit i'll sit far back and that way the children are behind everyone and they won't disturb mm. other people no. um no. but actually i think when when children sit near the front they can really see what's going on and then they yeah. and then they get engaged now obviously i'm not i'm not for a moment saying that people with children have to sit at the at the front um but I don't think I don't think people should worry about sitting at the front with their children, and nor yeah. if you know whilst as, as a parent you make every effort to get your kids to mass on time, like family life the the reality of it is messy and disorganized, and you can have got a child dressed and then suddenly they kind of you know throw up or they have some accident or spill something on them and you're getting them changed again and you might and you might be late through no fault of your own and i don't think you should feel that just because you're late you've now got to sit right at the back particularly if the place where you normally sit at the front is still free then you know come on in and 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 sit 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 up at the at the front but ultimately people know what works with their with their children so thank you thank you very much for um for for bringing up that that story augusta god bless you thank you so much for that question augusta we're gonna have to go to bless you we're gonna have to go to a a music break um we are as as we said before celebrating the feast of um our lady of sorrows so i'd like to play this uh song from the brilliance it's called mother of god if you've just started listening and you want to call in and add to the discussion or um, ask a question, the number to dial is 01223-375-564. That's 01223-375-564. Mary, full of grace, the Lord your God is with. Blessed are you to bless all the world Mary, peace is yours The Spirit is upon you You will be with child, do not fear Mother of God, 
Questions of Faith on Radio Maria with me, Tim Hutchinson, Sister Carino, and Father Toby Lees. If you'd like to ask a question, the phone lines are currently open. The number is 01223-375-564. I'll give out the number again in a moment. We answered questions about um, children in Mass and adoration. And um, we're also answering questions about Our Lady and Our Lady of Sorrows, that being the feast day of today. So if you have any questions about that, please do call in. Again, the number is 01223-375-564. So I have a question that's been sent in here by me, and it goes as follows. We celebrate the Feast of Our Lady of Sorrows. Why is Our Lady called Our Lady of Sorrows and sometimes depicted with tears in her eyes? If it says in the Bible that there are no tears in heaven and Our Lady is in heaven. So the scriptures that um, referring to there are from Isaiah 35, 5, which talks about sorrow and sighing fleeing away. And Revelations 21, verse 4, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, as um, understood being referenced to heaven. So why, why is Our Lady a lady of sorrows if she is in heaven and I'm going to ask Sister Carino to take a stab at that. Take a stab. I see what you did there, Tim. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, so yes, when when we talk about um, any of our of our Catholic beliefs, we we root them in the Word of God as as it comes to us through the Scriptures and the tradition of the Church. So when we talk about Our Lady as a Lady of Sorrows, um, we know that we can go. Um, to to the scriptures or the the transmitted teaching of the church to to find why that is, and what we find in the Gospel of Luke chapter two is that when Our Lady and Saint Joseph go to present the child Jesus in the temple, um, Simeon, the the old man who's in the temple, makes a prophecy, and I'm going to read it verbatim because I don't want to accidentally misquote. Um, and this is from the NRSV. So Simeon blessed them, that's uh, the Holy Family, and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel 
and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Um, so what we learn from that is that within the scriptures, a, a prophecy is made under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that a, a metaphorical sword will, will pierce Mary's soul. So we can think of this in terms of suffering and sorrow. But what we also learn from this prophecy is that this um, this sorrowful suffering that Mary is, is destined to experience is explicitly linked to the, the sorrow and suffering of, of her son, um, which which we see in its in its most sort of profound form in in his sacred passion, which he undergoes for for the salvation of the world, so so that he he may rise to new life and bring us all to that new life with him through the church, through the ministry of the church. So we call Mary Our Lady of Sorrows because it's rooted in that scriptural prophecy that Simeon makes that Our Lady has a particular share in in her son's passion. Um, and we see that lived out very manifestly um, in the Gospel of John, when Our Lady is at the foot of the cross. And that's actually the the Gospel reading um, for Mass today. And also it's talked about at great length um, in the second reading of the Office of Readings today, when St. Bernard talks about, you know, Our Lady being united to her son's passion, sharing in that passion, that saving passion in, in a very profound way. Um, so that's where it comes from. Now we get onto the topic of well, why does Mary suffer if if she is queen of heaven, um, if she is sinless? And at this point, I think we can we can turn to to our friend Saint Thomas Aquinas, who when he talks about human emotions, and he's a he's a big fan of the old emotions. He writes a lot about about human emotions and their importance in our in our Christian lives. That a holy person is not an impassable person. So. The holier we get, it's not that we're going to have fewer emotions. Our emotions are going to become more ordered, so they're going to be, they're going to be pointed more more clearly and directly towards God, but they're not going to disappear. And in fact, often because our holy person is more grounded in in reality, in the truth of who they are and who God is, actually often their their, their emotions will be more profound. And St. Thomas does say that, you know, the sufferings of, of Our Lady and Our Lord would actually be deeper and more profound because they they don't have that kind of protective mucky layer of sin, which sometimes causes the things that happen to us or, you know, in our case, the things that we do to kind of glance off us and not, and not really um, not not affect us really as much as they should. Whereas if you if you don't if you don't have that layer, um, then, then things then things will will hurt you more so our our lady our lady suffers because she's she's rooted entirely in reality she sees her son's passion for what it is which is you know she sees that he has taken the the astonishing and profound depth of human sin and suffering upon himself in order to redeem it and and she mourns that and sorrows that with a with a mother's heart um and so she she is assumed into heaven and is crowned as queen of heaven as as a mother who has seen her son suffer and so even if that suffering is is not present to her in in heaven she still she exists as as our mother and as our queen as someone who has known suffering and felt it in a sinless way hmm. and in a holy way and so we can take her as 
as a model, as someone who, who has a heart that has suffered, but that heart has not been twisted or permanently damaged or disordered mm. through that suffering, that, that suffering in, in her, in her human life, in, mm. in her human past does, does not constitute a barrier to her experiencing the fullness of joy in heaven. And so this is given to us through the church, you know, because as the catechism says, everything we know about Mary um, is given to us to lead us closer to Christ and to teach us something about Christ. Yeah. And so we know that Christ, the, the way that Christ saves us means that whatever we suffer in this life, whatever hurt is done unto us, it does not constitute a barrier to us attaining the fullness of, of holiness and joy th through his grace. Whatever we suffer, God's grace and God's love is greater than that. And we see that lived out very, very clearly and manifestly in the life of Mary, who is our lady of sorrows and also the cause of our joy and, and queen of mm. heaven. That's really helpful. Thank you. I suppose there's also a distinction that came up when you were speaking, which I hadn't thought of before, and that's that um, the reference to sorrow and sighing and tears being wiped away is really us who are dealing with our sins and and we will be coming into the heavenly kingdom where all those sorrows will will cease, whereas Our Lady is um, not sorrowful for for any sins of her own, um, because she doesn't have any, but she is sorrowful for uh, the state that the world is in, and um, and also sharing. What's been done unto her, really, by the the sorrowful state of the world? Hmm. Yeah. Yes. And what 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 sister Karina? That was a fantastic answer. Do would you say to somebody that who asked like you know, and does does Our Lady still still suffer in some way now? Does she still sorrow now, or having the beatific vision being being in heaven is she completely happy and, and does anything change which makes an appearance on on earth you know what i think we've we've hit upon one of my convert deficits where i still feel slightly uncertain um talking about our lady sometimes it's, it's one of those things where i i want to actually spend a bit of a bit more time in thought and prayer with the scriptures and with the catechism before I answer something like that. And I don't, I don't really feel confident off the top of my head. It's, it's one of those sort of little, little convert gaps that I think is possibly going to be filled in over time, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw that back to you, Father Toby, if that's okay. Yeah, no, well, I, I asked because it, it's not something that I've kind of properly considered or, or thought about um, myself as much as as I would wanted to give a, a good answer and kind of do the same thing. I've I've thought about the what we what we speak about the the impassibility of uh, of Jesus because for for most of the the church's tradition, it's been understood that Jesus Jesus being in in heaven no longer suffers in in any way, yeah. um, and that that is sort of upsetting to some people with their spirituality where they sort of think oh i'm uh i'm 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 suffering it makes me feel better that jesus suffers because i suffer or jesus is suffering with me which yeah. which it which i think when you sort of probe down to it well first it means if jesus if jesus still suffers in heaven then he's subject to evil in heaven because 
um, suffering is, is, is an evil, an evil which Christ on the cross yeah. has redeemed, but nonetheless yeah. evil. And therefore, if, if in heaven at the right hand of the Father, he's still suffering, then in some ways it suggests that the effects of evil are present in heaven. Um, that can't be the case. So it seems that he can't suffer. But also if, he, if, he's, if he's suffering, um, then it appears also he's not all powerful. And mm. what does it say about my spirituality that I only feel better if Jesus is suffering? Um, with me um mm. so but sort of with regards to 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 mary who who has made appearances on on, on earth in a, in a in a way that um that, that jesus doesn't uh mm. seem to do and and in some of those uh there have been sort of reported uh visions of of, of tears um this is i'm i'm not I'm not. I'm not completely sure. Is it, or is it possible in a, in a sort of in a, in a maternal way to to still weep for for what goes on in Earth whilst being truly truly happy, um, being in heaven? Or what does it mean when Mary ap appears on 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 Earth? Um, you know, it, it, it's a kind of an interesting theological question mm -hmm. to me. One I want to think on and uh, and read on, but I just wondered whether you had thought about it. But it seems the answer from both of us is need no. to go away, pray some more, think some more, and obviously read what uh, other uh, theologians of great, greater wisdom than ourselves have, have written on the matter. Maybe we could get Tim to do one of his plant questions again in two weeks' time. You know, like give us some time to go away, think, pray about it, read it up, and then Tim can be like, "Oh, an anonymous question has come through." Um, <laughs> I don't do that. Or somebody might genuinely ask it now. Or somebody might ask it. That's true. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we we uh, have run out of time. There was a question sent in about the saints, but we will get to that um, next week and an, another interesting one. But yeah, I'll I'll leave that till next week. One thought on what you were just saying, Father Toby, the first of the Beatitudes is, um, could be translated, happy are those who mourn. Um, so maybe we can put that in our um, contemplative pipe and smoke it until next week. Um, a closing prayer from you, maybe, Sister Carino. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Father, on this feast day of, of Our Lady of Sorrows, whom your son Jesus gave to St. John at the foot of the cross to be our mother, we ask that we may benefit from her heavenly intercession, from her maternal care for us, for all who listen to the show, who have phoned in or written their questions. We ask that through her intercession, you continue to bless us and to guide us closer to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Our Lady of Sorrows. Pray for us. Amen. Amen. Christian voice in your heart.